Welcome to Millennial Highway, started by two college kids looking to improve the lives of other college kids. You're not in college? Don't worry. We have material for the young guys, the high schoolers, the middle schoolers, heck, even for you aspirational elementary school students. You just graduated college? This is perfect for you. And even something for the experienced ones who have had their success and are hungry for more. Here's a message from a good friend of mine, Jordan Harbinger. Hey guys, Jordan Harbinger here, former host of The Art of Charm and current host of The Jordan Harbinger Show, because I'm really creative with naming my new show, apparently. I've interviewed celebrities such as Russell Brand and Shaquille O'Neal, and now I'm helping out a good friend of mine, Peter Huseth, with his podcast, Millennial Highway. You're listening to Millennial Highway. This is the podcast of your generation. You're on the highway of life, so why not join us in the fast lane? In today's episode... I'll be interviewing Don Peppers, a former Air Force officer, a keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. First of all, just let me thank you for your service. Describe what you do in one sentence. What would it be? I make the world safe for customers, what I do. That's what I do. I make the world safe for customers. A little about myself before, before we jump right into it is uh, I'm a student at the University of Oklahoma. Listeners can't see it, but you can see my OU flag in the background. I see it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a Cowboys fan as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Dallas. What's what's your background like? Uh, like your family? Uh, like just tell us a little about yourself first. Uh, well, I graduated from a small town high school in Missouri. Uh, I I uh, got an appointment to the Air Force Academy because I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, I'm the oldest of five kids. And um, I uh, went to the academy and have I have a degree in astronautical engineering, actually. But I have a second major in international affairs as well. Wow. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so when I graduated the academy, I had uh, two years of grad school at Princeton University. And I got a master's in public affairs. And um, in those days, in order to be an astronaut, you had to be uh, fighter pilot quality. Uh, physical specimen, and I, my eyes had gone bad in college, so I couldn't um, get into pilot training. So uh, I couldn't be an astronaut. And, um, and and the truth is, I had other ambitions anyway. When I was able to, I left the Air Force and went into business in uh, basically uh, in the oil business. I was an assistant treasurer for an oil company, and then I was the director of marketing for Texas International Airlines. And then they started an airline uh, in New York City uh, called New York Air, and I was the VP marketing for them. And I've been in marketing ever since, marketing and sales. So I'm an advertising major. Do you think there's a difference between advertising and marketing, or is it the same? Uh, everybody I know who was ever in advertising loved their time in it. And they're all happy to be out of it now. Okay, <laughs> I don't know why that is, but it's a rapidly changing field. Uh, and uh, I was there, kind of at the tail end of the Mad Men era, you know. Yeah, everyone's just trying to be Don Draper. How did you get into the Air Force Academy? Well, um, the academy is by congressional appointment. You have to get your congressman to appoint you, but um, all the congressmen use uh, standardized testing with the Air Force. Uh, so the Air Force gives them the test, administers the test and says to the congressman, you know, here's who's available. Um, uh, here's, here's, here are their qualifications. Uh, and so there was, a, a, there was a, a rigorous physical exam and then several academic kind of uh, exercises and exams. 
Um, unfortunately, in the year that I wanted an appointment, my congressman, um, there was a guy named Eichert, Dick Eichert, Richard Eichert. He didn't have any appointments available because he already had five cadets from our district at the academy. Uh, but I was able to get a senatorial appointment uh, in Missouri. And um, the, my dad was uh, like the last living Republican on the <laughs> in this small town. And he had to had to uh, shake hands with uh, uh, a Democratic senator. Was, but he, he said it was OK. It was humiliating. But uh, he got his he was able to get his son into the academy. So that was good. That's funny. Uh, so you had to take all these rigorous exams. What got you through that process? Like, did you ever think to yourself, like, I don't know if this is worth it? No, I never. And, and you know, I always, I wanted to do it. I was really very, very focused on it in high school. I didn't apply to any other colleges. I had no backup plan. If I hadn't got into the academy, I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. That's commitment. Wow. Why, why did you want to go to Princeton, right. actually? Let's start with that. I did well academically at the Air Force Academy. I had a double major in, in astronautical engineering and uh, astronautics and in um, international affairs. Uh, and, and because astronautics was itself a double major, it was engineering, sciences, and astronautics, I actually had a triple major. So, I was, so academically, I was uh, well accomplished. And I got a fellowship to Princeton, to the Woodrow Wilson School there. Um, and uh, uh, had I not gone there, I would have, um, had I not got that fellowship, I probably would have got a master's degree from Stanford in astronautical engineering. What I found was that the, the issues of politics and public affairs and foreign policy were more interesting to me than um, the higher math and, um, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, eigenvectors that we had to dis had to study in in astronautics. Uh, it wasn't that it wasn't interesting, but I, I just uh, I, I found the politics and foreign affairs more um, captivating. So I really liked it. I liked it. So how was how was life in the uh, Air Force? Uh, I got out as soon as I could. Um, the thing is, I loved the academy. Um, but the truth is, uh, once you get, uh, and the academy was a, a place where it rewarded excellence. It was very competitive. And then I got into the Air Force, and I felt like I'd been plunged into the Department of Motor Vehicles. It felt very bureaucratic and very stultifying. It was, um, so I, I, uh, I got out as soon as I could, just a few years. So, and then you got into business, right? Uh, well, when I was at the uh, Woodrow Wilson School, I had written a, a major paper um, regarding the economics of the oil depletion allowance. Um, and it's kind of a tax allowance for petroleum companies. When I, was, uh, when I knew I was leaving the Air Force, I started applying for jobs, and I applied for a job that I saw advertised in the New York Times uh, as an economist at an oil company, and I sent them the paper that I'd written. And so they asked to see me, and then they, they hired me. So I worked for this company called, it was called American Independent Oil Company. They had properties in Kuwait uh, and um, uh, and the Saudi neutral zone. Um, and, they, uh, and they had just bought uh, the old signal, signal Oil and Gas Company with U.S. properties. 
uh, and they were a subsidiary of R.J. Reynolds, a tobacco company. R.J. Reynolds had just bought American Independent Oil, so a very complicated business. Uh, but they needed an economist, and they hired me to work as an economist. So, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. So, what's uh, your like advice for like people listening? Maybe they want to go into the uh, Air Force Academy, or or the Air Force in general. What what advice would you give to them? My advice to kids your age, people your age, is don't think that what you're focusing on as um, as a kid is what you're going to do in life. Uh, be open to new experiences, be ready to go. Uh, I tell my kids, um, uh, who are all grownups, basically, uh, you, you, you can't plan your life. Your life uh, is going to happen to you. And the question is whether you take what happens as uh, good or bad um, uh, for you. And you have to be open to new ideas all the time. I have never actually held the job for which I was educated. I have a degree in foreign affairs. I have a degree in engineering sciences and a degree in astronautical engineering. And I have never held a job in any of those fields. Um, I was an economist for a while. Then I was the chief. Uh, I was the head of accounting for an airline. And then I became the director of regional marketing for the airline. I was a vice president of new business at an ad agency. Um, and now I'm writing books on the customer experience and, and, and I've, and I've never taken a college course in marketing. Okay. And, and people think of me as like a marketing guru. What I'm saying is what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that smart. What I'm saying is it doesn't take that long to learn something if you love it. Okay. So find what you love. And learn about it. How long did it take you to like, like read up on marketing or get experience with marketing, and then start producing books that were kind of based off like business and marketing in general? It wasn't overnight. Uh, and the thing is, um, I, I gravitated to marketing because I thought that was where the, all the fun stuff happened. At this, uh, it, what happened was I I worked for the airline. Uh, I worked for the oil company first. Uh, and then they transferred me to Houston, and I took a job as the director of accounting at an airline. Um, and I've never actually taken an accounting course either. And I said to the CEO who was hiring me, I said, you know, I'm not really an accountant. I know the head owner told you this. And he said, well, this is really a management job. You have 100 accountants working for you. If you have an accounting question, ask one of them. Um, you know, we're trying to uh, staff the thing up with uh, – uh, good managers. And, you know, so, so we're going to hire you to do that. So I, I worked in the accounting area. Uh, and then I became the director of pricing for the airline. Cause in those days, um, the airlines were just deregulated a few years ago. And, and, uh, up until then they'd all had pricing directors who based civil aeronautics board. Uh, and so uh, it was an administrative job and the pricing had a uh, uh, we had a nexus with marketing. We had a lot of business with marketing. We we met with them, and I always liked the marketing people. They were very cool, and they were doing entrepreneurial stuff. They're doing really interesting work. Um, it was fun. It looked like they were making deals, you know. So I gravitated to marketing, um, and then I kind of learned by by being in the marketing function. I didn't really. I didn't take any courses on it. I learned on the job, um, and. And, you know, the truth is, 
marketing, I think marketing is the kind of job where you either get it or you don't. And if you really kind of get it in your bones, it's not going to take you more than a few weeks to learn what you need to know, mostly. If you don't get it, you could study it for 20 years. You're not going to get it. It's almost an intuitive feel. You have to be very empathetic with other customers. With co- you, you have to sort of put your, be able to put yourself in the head of a customer and ask yourself, what would that customer want? If I were that customer, what would I want? And you figure out how to deliver that to the customer fundamentally. That, wow. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That, that's interesting that you said that about marketing, like you either kind of get it or you don't. Um, I'm assuming you're, you're on the side that uh, gets it. I think I do. Yeah, I think I get marketing. Um, and and, it, and it, what I, I think of marketing as, it's what I said, it's like having empathy for, it's, it's being empathetic. It's like being able to put yourself in the other person's head and think like the customer would think, realizing that there are, millions of customers with and basically thousands of different ways you could describe any individual customer. So I, I, I did the marketing function uh, and I, and I came to New York to, to be the director of marketing and then the staff VP of marketing for uh, New York air, which was a new entrant airline started by Texas air, my employer down in Houston. Um, I quit there and went into my own business uh, as a consultant, a marketing consultant. And eventually, um, a client of mine was um, uh, Compton Advertising hired me to help them run their British Airways account because Compton had just been bought by Saatchi and Saatchi, and Saatchi had the British Airways account, and I was an airline guy, so they they wanted to hire me instead of just having me work for them on a retainer. And so that was my first job in advertising. So now I'm in the advertising agency business. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun. You mentioned that, that you went um, from what you were doing to a consultant like, and kind of basically go in business for yourself. Were you like, yeah, yeah. Were you kind of worried about how you would do like going in business for yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, wa- I always wanted to be on my own business, um, but I wasn't really sure uh, how to do it. I had one client uh, that um, I talked with when I was in the airline and he said, well, you know, if you open your own business, then I'll pay you, I don't know, X thousand dollars a month in order to represent me in New York and you can get new clients and so forth. And so that was a benchmark client and that was all that I really needed to go out and try it. But I was really only on my own for less than a year. Uh, before um, one of, I, I did hire, I did get a client's business. Uh, Compton hired me to try to find an airline expert for them because they had no airline expertise and Saatchi had, had the British Airways account and they needed somebody to run the British Airways account in the U.S. And so I uh, took the job with Saatchi to try to find them somebody to run that account. And eventually they just decided they wanted me. At the time, I I didn't really want to be hired, but it seemed like the more I didn't want to be hired, the more they wanted me. So that was that actually worked out. So did you kind of have the those same feelings of like worrying about going into your own your own business whenever you started writing books, or did you start writing the books while you were working? Well, no, I started writing books. Uh, let, me, let me put it this way. Um, so, so I was in the advertising agency business and I gravitated toward new business. A new business in the agency world is when you get new clients. How do you get a new client if you're in an ad agency? 
Um, and I'll tell you what I did. Uh, I, I, I had this job as the director of business development at the second agency where I worked. I worked at Compton Advertising. Then I worked at um, a smart aleck Jewish uh, um, uh, ad agency called Levine, Huntley, Schmidt, and Beaver. They ran the Subaru business, uh, the Citizen Watch business. They're very, very smart, uh, but they advertise themselves as the smart aleck Jewish agency. Okay, So I'm like the honorary uh, non-Jewish guy there. Um, and uh, Bob Schmidt, the CEO, hired me to try to get new clients, and he was going to pay me a commission. So in the mornings, um, I would spend my time uh, on the phone dialing out to marketing directors and sales VPs and trying to get them to talk to me. Um, I wanted to, uh, I, I, you know, if you were a marketing director, I'd, I'd say, hey, Peter, this is Don Peppers. I'm with Levine Huntley. Uh, oh, you've heard it. Great. Uh, so what are you guys working on these days? You know, I'd, and I'd write that down in a three-ring binder. I'd have a conversation with you. Um, and then six months later, I would call you again and say, hey, Peter, it's Don, Don Peppers again at, at uh, Levine Huntley. Uh, and and by the way, how'd that product launch go in, um, in, uh, was it Dubai? Uh, was it the Middle East somewhere you were launching that new product and how'd it go? Cause I wanted them to know that we had a relationship. Okay. And my whole goal was when I read in the magazines that their advertising account went up for grabs, I wanted them to take my call. I wanted you to take my call if I called you. Okay. So I could get into the pitch. And that was the whole goal. So I'm also like doing publicity for the agency and stuff. And we get an opportunity to go give a talk on the impact of interactivity on advertising. And this was in 1989. People thought interactivity in those days, people thought interactivity was uh, they'd be, um, you'd be watching TV and you'd see a commercial for some product you like. You push a button on your TV remote and, and a coupon would print out of your set-top box. That's what they thought interactivity was all about. I agreed that we would do the speech. Then I couldn't find anybody to do it. And I realized I would have to do that speech myself at this ad convention. So I, uh, I did a little thought experiment on my own. Uh, my thought experiment was imagine a time in the future when a child could talk back to Tony, the tiger, the Kellogg frosted flakes commercial, right? What would Kellogg do with the information the child gave them? And the answer is, as a mass marketer, they wouldn't do anything with it because that information is useless. It's not projectable. It's not representative. But that's what I was trying to do as a new business guy. I was trying to get people to talk to me so I could have a relationship. So the insight I had was that, hey, when, uh, when interactivity happens, companies are all going to want to set up relationships with their customers, even if they have millions of customers. They're going to use computers. They want to set up relationships. So I gave that talk, and it was very popular. Uh, a woman came up to me in the audience and said, you ought to write a book on this. It's a really good idea. And, I, and, and we agreed to collaborate, and that was Martha Rogers. And we started working on our book, uh, and it came out uh, three years later. In 1993, our book came out called The One-to-One Future. And, and by pure luck, pure coincidence, we wrote the book. It was released in August of 93. In January of 94, the first commercial web browser, Netscape, became available. And suddenly the world was interactive. And so our book became a cult hit among a bunch of webmasters. They used to call them webmasters. You know, the people who ran your website was your webmaster. So the book became a cult hit, sold uh, uh, half a million copies all by itself. Uh, and uh, 
So Martha and I started a company. So then from your success, that wild success from that book, you're just like, all right, I'm just going to keep writing more books. And because I'm assuming. Yeah, we, it was, we had a lot more to say. We, we, we you know, we put puts a lot in the first book and then we wrote several of the books together and I've written a couple of books on my own. Um, and I've been, and I'm, a, I'm, I enjoy writing. It's a lot of fun. I only do what I enjoy, Peter. I only, I only do what I'm having fun at. I, I love it. That's what I try to do. You know, I, I love this podcast yeah. and I'm trying to constantly do stuff with it because, you know, I'm assuming you get to the point where you're like working 12 hours, you forget about lunch and dinner and sleep and you're just, you're just going at it and, and working, but it doesn't feel like work. If you had to give advice to the college students that are or high school kids or recent graduates that are listening to this now and just they're either kind of like a dead end or they don't really know what they want to do or go, like what's your advice to them? My advice is don't go for the money. If you're going to work for the money, you're always going to be working. Go for the passion. Go for what you really love. Find out how to make money by doing what you really love and then you don't have to work. It's not work. It's fun. That's perfect. That, that's exactly what I'm trying to get across to everyone that's listening. All right. Thank you so much, Don. Good luck to you. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to Millennial Highway. This is your host, Peter Husev. Tune in next Tuesday for our newest episodes. And remember, you're on the highway of life, so get in the fast lane.